You're listening to the Fueled and Free podcast. I'm your host, Margaret, a holistic nutritionist, bringing you real talk and thought-provoking conversations on food, the wellness world, women's health topics, and life. Remember, the information shared in this podcast is not to be taken as individual or medical advice. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Fueled and Free podcast. I'm coming in today to share some strategies and things to evaluate if you're navigating low energy and fatigue. I'd say that low energy and fatigue are an epidemic, truly. Like, while it may be tempting to just grab the latest energy boosting supplement or powder drink or just chalk it up to like, oh, I'm just, you know, not getting enough sleep or I'm getting older or my energy is not what it used to be or just jump to go get your next caffeinated beverage. No judgment if you're doing caffeine. I do caffeine as well. We are missing the forest through the trees, though, when we do that, when we don't assess some of the things that may be contributing to your fatigue. And some of these things can be really, really simple tweaks that within a week or two, you can notice a huge difference in how you feel throughout the day, which affects everything. It'll affect your ability to show up for the things most important to you. If you're a mom and you have kids, we all know how things are so affected, how our experience as parents is when we are tired. And the same thing goes even if you don't have kids. If you work a career and you're trying to accomplish what you need to get done in the day, your enjoyment of your career and your workday is massively affected by whether or not you have enough energy, whatever it is that you're that you're trying to get through the day and achieve and accomplish. So I will say supplements, you know, there again, there's a lot of like popular um, electrolyte drinks out there, a lot of different uh, powder drinks, adaptogen supplements, things like that. These can have a place in your routine. For me, I'm a big fan of matcha. After lunch, I like peak, P-I-Q-U-E, peak matcha. It's one of the cleaner brands out there and it's very tasty. Um, and matcha is really high in antioxidants, which helps lower inflammation. It's really natural source of caffeine. It's a lower source of caffeine versus if I were to drink a cup of coffee in the afternoon, it would have a completely different experience and how that hits my body. For me, matcha feels better physically. I get that little energy boost, but it's nothing like if I were to have a cold brew, like if I have a cold brew in the afternoon, A, I'm probably going to feel a lot of anxiety and B, it'll likely affect my sleep. But I will say, you know, some of these certain supplements that are out there, they can be very beneficial in seasons when maybe you're lacking in energy. Like, for example, when I was recovering from COVID this past spring, my energy was tanked. And so I did rotate in some specific supplements that are geared towards increasing your energy, right? But supplements are not there to take the place of foundations. And often when someone's dealing with low energy and fatigue, the first question I get is like, what supplements can I take? I'm really tired. And to that, I'd say, what are your foundations look like? So let's get into it. Number one, are you getting in movement throughout the day? Do you work from home? Are you sitting at a desk all day? Are you in an office? Do you find pockets in the day that you can get up and move your body? I'm not talking about your exercise routine. This is totally separate. I'm talking about just straight up movement, okay? 
or your NEAT, N-E-A-T, non-exercise activity, okay? Um, Exercise is important. Hear me on that. I'm not going to tell you that exercise doesn't help, but you're actually going to move the needle further in your health if you're getting in an adequate amount of steps every day. I'd rather see you hit 8 to 10 to even 12,000 steps a day versus just doing a 30-minute workout, but the rest of your day, you're mostly sitting. Physical inactivity also really depletes your serotonin and your dopamine, which these are brain chemicals that help to naturally regulate your mood and your energy. So the more physically active you are, the more you're going to support and kind of boost these chemicals in your brain. Some ways that you can up your physical activity might be setting timers. So you remember, like for me, I work from home and I can get kind of in these routines or habits where I will sit down at my desk in the morning to get my day started. And if I'm not careful, three hours will go by and I have not really gotten up and moved around at all. And so I try to set a timer you know, obviously it depends on whether or not I'm on Zoom with clients and kind of what my workday looks like. But if it's a day that I'm not on a lot of Zoom, I do try to set timers and take breaks every hour, hour and a half where I am getting up and walking around, whether I'm getting up and putting a load of wash in the washer or laundry in the washer, going for a quick walk with my dog. Sometimes I just do a 15 minute quick walk or walking outside, take the trash out, do a loop in the yard with the dogs, throw the ball with them, just get up and move my body. Another thing that I personally incorporated, which I'm encouraged to see that this isn't something that people are just doing work from home. I actually see this happening in more office spaces is the incorporation of standing desks paired with a walking pad. I actually found out about this from TikTok. There were some Gen Z TikTokers that were, you know, doing their work from home routine, you know, day in the life of a work from home, you know, whatever. I I love those TikToks. And anyways, there was this big trend a couple months ago where a lot of these work from home girlies were doing standing desks with walking pads and they were, you know, vlogging about how they're getting in 15,000 steps in a day. And at first I was kind of like, oh, am I actually going to use that? Or can I actually work at my desk and focus at what I'm doing on my computer while I'm walking? I don't know. So anyways, I bought a walking pad on Prime Day last year. It was really discounted. And I kind of was like, you know what? If I don't end up using it, I'm not out a ton of money. But if I do end up using it, it's going to be really good bang for my buck. And it was, it's, I still use it. It's packed up in our garage right now because we're getting ready to move in three weeks. But if I set that bad boy up and I put it on a low setting and I, you know, I have a standing electric desk with a little button so you can increase the height of your desk. Now I can't do, you know, certain tasks I can't walk and do at the same time. Like if I'm recording a lab interpretation for a client I'm not going to be walking in the background. I won't walk while I'm on a Zoom call either, right? I'm not going to walk while I'm recording a podcast or just certain things are not appropriate to be walking. But if I'm doing admin work, a lot of that computer work, typing emails, responding to clients and messages, it is really easy to do. I actually find that I focus a little bit better, which if you think about it from the brain standpoint, 
it actually is really good for your brain to have to focus on what you're looking at on the screen, but also physically moving your body at the same time. So anyways, um, a walking pad and a standing desk, great investment, especially if you work from home. And if you're in an office setting, maybe talk to your employer and say, hey, what do you think about making this upgrade? You know? So anyways, another thing I would recommend is when you go out to run errands, park far away. I have been doing that more lately, parking at the very back of a parking lot and making the longer walk. I also have stopped relying on Instacart and grocery delivery as much. There was a season where I was automating a lot of things for the sake of being able to spend more time getting work done, which, you know, I'm still a huge fan of grocery delivery. I personally love grocery delivery. I love outsourcing what I can. We were even outsourcing our laundry for a while, but I uh, got locked out of my Instacart account and I have not been able to get logged back in. So instead of using Instacart, every time I'm like low on a few things, I have been popping out on my lunch break, going to the grocery store, getting a few things. I also have found it to be nice to just get out of the house, see people. And again, I'm getting in more physical activity. Even if I'm just out for 15, 20 minutes, we happen to live in an area where we're really close to stores. It's not a long drive for me to get out and go somewhere. And so that's been working really well for me. I'm like, all right, maybe I'm just not going to use grocery delivery as much. And this is an opportunity for me to get out of the house. I also take a lot of walks. Again, we have dogs. So I'm out with my dogs at least once a day, taking them on a walk. You don't need dogs to go for a walk, obviously. So next thing I want to talk about is, are you in a reactive state with your eating habits? Or are you being proactive with your nutrition? Do you wake up in the morning and jump right into your day and then realize like, oh yeah, I need to eat breakfast. And then you're just grabbing whatever. Or maybe you're not even eating breakfast. Lunch is maybe random. And then by mid-afternoon, you're starving. And then you're grabbing whatever you can find. And then dinner, you're in feast mode. You're trying to catch up on what you didn't eat during the day. And it's like this, you know, the satiating desire to want to eat. I hear this a lot of like at night, I'm really, I have, you know, a lot of sugar cravings, or I just feel so hungry in the evening. And a lot of that happens because you're just not eating enough during the day. I see this a lot. This is very, very damning to your energy. Think of your energy production like a fire. If you needed to get a fire going to keep your body warm all day, think about how you would do that. You would get the fire started in the morning. You get the fireplace set up. You'd start with maybe some kindling or a Duraflame log. If you're a cheater like us, (laughs) we do Duraflame logs to make fires. Don't tell me if they're toxic. I don't even want to know. And then every few hours after you get that fire going, you would add more wood to the fire so that it continues to burn all day and keep you and your house warm, right? You wouldn't just start a fire and throw a bunch of wood on and walk away and leave it. You know, you wouldn't just start it, not put anything on it and expect that the fire would still be there in a couple of hours, right? Your body is very similar. It needs an adequate intake of energy from food throughout the day to function properly. I know some people may say that when they skip breakfast and fast, that they have more energy. I would argue that this is a false sense of energy. 
your body goes into sort of a starvation mode when you're fasting. I'm not going to say that all fasting is bad. I don't want to speak in like a true black and white because I do see where for some people when done properly, fasting can have benefits in the short term, especially. But when you are in fasting, and I'm talking about especially people that are skipping breakfast, you know, they're having their last meal. Let's say you finish eating at 7, 8 p.m. And then the next day you wake up, you start your day and you're not eating breakfast or you're just waiting until lunch to eat. That's a pretty legit period of fasting, going more than 12 hours, 14 hours without food. Okay. And a lot of people, when they do this, they're like, oh, I have more energy when I do that. I feel better. I'm more productive. I'm more focused. And what happens when you're fasting is it leads to that elevated cortisol, which cortisol naturally does rise in the morning, but it can lead to even too high of levels of cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone, which this stress response from not eating can make you feel more productive. It can make you feel more focused and more energy. This is your brain saying, we don't have food. It's a stress response. It's your brain in that stress response. This is not something you want to be doing to your body long-term and consistently. It's actually quite stressful on your body especially as a woman. Your sex hormones are massively affected when you're consistently fasting. So that's my little thought on the fasting discussion. At a minimum, three solid meals a day. Now, if you don't have a morning appetite, you might have to start with something small and then try to eat again like an hour or two later. I literally have had clients that are like, if I eat, I'm going to throw up. That is common to see. This is something that I struggle with as well when I stop doing intermittent fasting. So you, you know, you might need to eat smaller meals more frequently to bring that appetite back. We should have an appetite in the morning. Lack of an appetite in the morning is not necessarily a good thing. So three solid meals minimum a day. For lunch, don't just eat a basic salad with a plop of grilled chicken on top. That's not really a legit meal. All right, you need some protein, minimum, I'd say 20 to 25 grams of protein, which is, you know, going to look like maybe four ounce piece of grilled chicken. That's an example of protein, animal-based protein, ideally, whether you get that through meat or through some dairy, some fats, which if you're eating an animal-based diet, you're going to naturally get some fats through the food that you're eating with animal proteins often have fat, dairy has fat in it some fiber, and some healthy carbs. You want to balance it out, right? Again, aim for 20 to 30. If you can get 30 grams of protein in each main meal, that's really going to set you up for the day. I see many women are massively under eating on protein. It's not uncommon to see women only eating 50 to 70 grams of protein a day when they should be eating almost double that, especially if you are looking to burn fat, and change your body composition, if you're looking to go into a season of some fat loss, and if you're physically active. If you're physically active and you're exercising multiple times a week, whether it's going for a jog or getting on the Peloton or going to a class or lifting some weights, you need protein. How much you need is going to be specific to what your body weight is. I would say that if you are physically active, and you would like to maybe alter your body composition, lean out, maybe burn some fat. I feel like this is a goal of a lot of women that are like, I'd like to build some more muscle or just not even maybe build muscle, but maybe you want to lean out a little bit. Maybe you'd like to lose five, 10, 15 pounds. 
eating a higher protein diet is going to help you get there much quicker. And it's going to be much more sustainable, especially if you want to actually lose fat and not lose muscle mass. So at a minimum, if you are under eating on protein, I work you up to 100 grams to start out slowly, of course. Um, But at a minimum, 0.8 to 1 gram per pound of what your ideal body weight is. So if you know I'm 20 pounds overweight, I'd like to drop 15, 20 pounds. You're going to use that goal weight as your ideal body weight and multiply 0.8 times that weight. And that is how many grams of protein you should be eating. Highly recommend tracking. I recommend tracking, especially to see if you're even eating enough. A lot of times people are like, oh yeah, I'm good. I I eat enough. And then you have them track and keep a food journal for a couple of days. And they're eating 800 calories less a day than what their body needs. How can you expect your body to give you energy to get through the day and help you, you know, feel good and have good focus and good cognitive health? And again, physical energy, if you're not feeding it with enough fuel, super, super important here. Next, I want to talk about blood sugar and blood sugar instability. Okay. Do you find that you have energy dips throughout the day? This is super common. And this is something that I massively struggled with for years. And I had no idea. I'm talking probably a decade from my, oh my gosh, when I look back at high school, college, post-college, even the beginnings of motherhood, I probably had dysregulated blood sugar for 15, 20 plus years of my life, truly. So energy dips, do you get sugar cravings? Do you feel hangry if you don't eat? That used to be like a running joke in my household. Like my husband literally used to be like, oh, mom's getting hangry. That was blood sugar dysregulation at its finest. If you're the person that if you don't eat and you go a few hours without food, you feel like you're going to like strangle someone. Do you experience headaches midday? This is something that I used to really struggle with. Blood sugar plays a crucial role here, not only in regulating your energy, but also your mood, your overall stamina and a lot of those symptoms that I just described. So we see a few patterns of blood sugar dysregulation. We see blood sugar spikes, followed by that blood sugar drop. As a result of it being high, you know, what goes up must come back down. We also see chronically low blood sugar known as hypoglycemia. Sometimes I even see nocturnal reactive glycemia where the person gets a big blood sugar drop in the middle of the night. And then they wake up and they're like feeling anxious, heart racing, shakiness, just that like some people even get night sweats that can be linked to blood sugar dysregulation. Uh, Wake up in the middle of the night, check your blood sugar, go get a cheap blood sugar tester. You know, uh, the One Touch is a brand that you can get from most grocery stores, drug stores, pharmacies, Target, Amazon sells these, they're cheap. Check your blood sugar. Is it really low in the middle of the night? And then, of course, we see a combination of highs and lows. So when your blood sugar spikes, which this can be due to either like eating a lot of carbs, especially your sugary, your refined carbs paired with not enough protein. For example, if you're starting your day with like a muffin, this is something that I used to do at my first job out of college. I would swing by Dunkin Donuts on my way to work and I would grab a coffee and a blueberry muffin. (laughs) This was my daily habit for probably 
two years. Uh, at the time, I, I've i always been pretty physically active, but at the time I was very physically active. So I was on my feet all day. I worked in a tile showroom where I would work with co- you know clients and customers, helping them with picking out tile for their at the time, there was a lot of new construction happening in our area. And, you know, builders would send in their clients to come in and pick out like kitchen backsplashes and tile for their showers and their house. And so I was on my feet a lot. And I also was a runner. So I did a lot of running. Like after work, I'd go home and run three to five miles. I ran probably 25 to 30 miles a week. And so technically, like eating a muffin every day was not going to like make or break my actual caloric intake. Technically, I, I, I had plenty of budget in my body to eat a muffin. So it wasn't that I actually was like making a bad choice with eating a muffin. Muffins are not inherently bad, right? Let's just put that out there, okay? But context is key. So what I would ha- what would happen is I'd have that around like 8 a.m. I remember I'd have to be at work by like 8 or 8.15 and I'd have this big boost of energy to get the day started. And then by mid-morning, I was yawning and hungry already. I remember I used to have to have a mid-morning snack and definitely had no protein in it. Usually it was like a granola bar. I did a lot of bars at that time. And I would just swing between like feeling good and then yawning and feeling like shaky or hungry or jittery. And I also worked in an office where we had sales reps that would drop off bagels and donuts and baked goods and coffee all the time. There was always, always sweets to grab. This is the classic blood sugar roller coaster. So these swings of, you know, having a big blood sugar spike because you're eating, for me, I was having coffee with a sugary blueberry muffin. And so I'd have this big spike and then I'd have a crash and then I'd be tired or I'd be hungry again. This is, again, super, super damning to your energy and your metabolism. This is going to cause weight gain for some, uh, skin issues like acne. I would say around that time is when my skin issues started to flare up for me. Acne very much can go hand in hand with blood sugar dysregulation. It can affect your menstrual cycle, your mood, your energy, your digestion. I was the girl that was bloated all the time. Uh, Ultimately, it's a big driver of inflammation and inflammatory conditions like heart disease, PCOS, Alzheimer's and dementia. Alzheimer's and dementia is actually now being called like type three diabetes. It's a blood sugar dysregulation that starts probably decades prior and eventually turns into decline cognitively. There's increased risks of certain cancers, obviously insulin resistance, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and it overall ages your body. This doesn't happen overnight. This is, again, from just poor habits. And sometimes we're in this cycle and we don't even realize it. I did this off and on for years, had no clue that my energy dips or my afternoon headache was linked to poor blood sugar regulation. Okay. What I should have been doing was having a protein centered breakfast whether that's eggs, chicken, ground beef, like breakfast does not have to be breakfast food, by the way, it could literally be leftovers of dinner from the night before you could have a cup of soup, just protein centric, and then having, you know, you can still have a muffin with breakfast. Technically, now I would say try to have a muffin that's not, you know, 
made with white flour. Again, white flour is not necessarily bad, but some of us are eating too many foods with flour, right? Too many refined carbs and grains, and we could stand to eat a little bit less of those foods. But making some of these changes, it takes intention. It does take some forethought. You know, you might need to set your alarm a little bit earlier and wake up 10, 15, 20 minutes earlier than you're used to so that you can carve out some time to have maybe like a Greek yogurt bowl with some raw honey and some fruit or make yourself a protein shake, right? And planning ahead and looking at, okay, um, what am I going to be eating for lunch? Because we're not going to skip lunch here, right? And knowing that, okay, if I'm eating lunch at 12, 1230, one o'clock, and we don't eat dinner till six or seven or whatever, 530 even, 12 to six or 1230 to 630, that five to six hour stretch that a lot of us have between lunch and dinner, that's a long time to go without eating. So are you going to make an intention to have a snack midday? So for me, if I do not have a snack mid-afternoon, whether it's an adrenal cocktail with some collagen powder and some other source of protein, hard-boiled eggs, or I do protein shakes most afternoons. So my protein shake in the afternoon is this. I have two options. I usually do chocolate protein powder. I do a scoop of the adrenal cocktail powder, which I'll link that in the show notes, a banana, and either water or milk. Usually it's milk. Lately, I've been doing milk and some ice. And it kind of is like this sweet and salty shake. I know this sounds weird because the adrenal cocktail powder actually has salt in it, but chocolate, banana, milk, and a little bit of salt, it's super, super tasty. And that gets me 25 grams of protein. It gets me some carbs. It gives me some fat. It holds me over until 6, 6.30 when we're eating dinner, depending on the night. Or my other option is I'll do an adrenal cocktail smoothie. So I'll do orange juice, sea salt, maybe a banana or a little bit of coconut water. And I do vanilla protein powder. And it is super, super tasty. That's another favorite. Or I'll have like some cottage cheese with some raw honey. Um, I rotate through different snacks, but I also keep it basic. Like I know the two or three things that work that feel good. And I just rinse and repeat the same things. It gets a little repetitive, but it works. If I don't have something in that mid-afternoon time frame, especially after I've been, I've been up since 6.30, most mornings I'm up by 6.30 in the morning. I have worked all day. I have gotten kids off to school. At that point in time, at that three, four o'clock, my kids are coming home from school. I have the whole second half of the day to do after-school homework And what are we having for dinner? And I have two dogs that need attention and kids going to sports two nights a week, right? Recovering from the day. I'm still, sometimes after my kids get home from school, I'm still on my computer and finishing work from the day. Getting laundry into the dryer that I started in the morning. Like the day, there's still a lot of energy to expend between that 3 p.m., 4 p.m. when they come home and then till the time we actually eat dinner, And if I don't eat something, I am more prone to get a headache or feel just lower energy. Like, man, I need to lay down on the couch or I still have to make dinner. And if you, you know, if I rewind to the time that I ate lunch, a lot of times I'm eating lunch at noon, 
noon to 6, 6.30, that's just a long time to not eat, especially with the amount of energy that my body is expending physically and mentally. Sometimes we need to do a little bit more fine tuning than just what I shared there, but this is a good starting point if you're kind of newer to balancing your blood sugar. So next thing I want to talk about is fluid intake. Are you hydrated enough? Dehydration, huge, huge contributor to low energy and fatigue. I see this even in myself. I have random times where I am not refilling that Stanley cup or that Yeti and the day goes by and I'm like, wow, I really have not had much to drink today. Um, I see this with clients on an intake form. I ask specifically, how much fluid intake do you take? And it's like 30 ounces, you know, 40 ounces a day, right? If you are a 150 pound active person, you know, you're not sitting on the couch all day, you're getting up, going about doing life, you need more than 30 or 40 ounces of hydration a day. When you're dehydrated, you're going to see a lack of nutrient transport. So water plays a really important role in transporting essential nutrients such as glucose and electrolytes to your cells. So that whole transport process becomes way less efficient. This will affect your muscles. So you'll experience more muscle weakness when you're dehydrated, poor cognitive health. It can really affect your ability to concentrate, memory problems, decreased alertness. Mood changes are linked to dehydration. So just feeling more apathetic, less engaged, more depressed. Decreased blood pressure is another big one. So if you're feeling dizzy or lightheaded or an overall just feeling of weakness, that can be linked to dehydration. So I will say when it comes to hydration, there is a such thing as overhydrating. And sometimes I do see the opposite with people where they're like, oh yeah, I, I drink plenty of water. I fill up my Stanley cup, my 40 ouncer three times a day. And they're walking around with their Stanley cup and it's like an accessory. Uh, you know who you are if I'm talking to you. <laughs> and I ask them like, how often are you going to the bathroom? And it's like, oh, I go every hour. I'm like constantly peeing, right? And the urine's clear that's not a good thing either. So if you're overhydrating, that actually can dilute your electrolytes, lead to electrolyte or mineral loss, which that has just as damning of an effect on your body as being dehydrated. So you want to be hydrating to a point where you're not running to the bathroom to pee every single hour. Your urine should not necessarily be clear. So you got to kind of find that sweet spot. Some people might need to set timers to remind themselves to drink have a good water bottle or container that is your go-to. So I'm a big fan of either glass or stainless steel. Personally, I I do have a Stanley cup. It's not my go-to for hydrating all the time. I actually use like a quart size glass mason jar. And I find that I hydrate more when I'm drinking out of a straw. So I use like a bigger uh, silicone straw. And I add stuff to my water. Plain water is boring to me. So I will add like lemon or electrolytes. Like I really like Relite, which is a sodium-based hydration powder. There's another one I really like, and I'll link all of these. Pickleball Cocktail made by Jigsaw. Jigsaw is the same company that makes Adrenal Cocktail Powder. Um, Pickleball Cocktail is a potassium-based electrolyte powder. 
They have it in orange flavor and blue raspberry. We personally like the orange. I even put this in my kids' water bottles before school. We do a lot of potassium-based hydration because everyone's low in potassium. I think it's a rarity when I get someone's hair test back and they have adequate levels of potassium. And potassium is a really, really important mineral for supporting energy production. It actually helps your cells uptake thyroid hormone. It affects digestion. You know, when we're low in potassium, it affects the adrenals. It's a really important mineral. So you also could add some sea salt to your water. Some people need more sodium. That's another mineral that we see low on hair tests all the time. There's also a really good electrolyte powder from Peak, which that's the brand that I talked about earlier for um, matcha. So the Peak hydration powder that I like to add, it is called BT, B like boy, T like Tom, BT Fountain. They have it marketed as a beauty electrolyte. So it's supposed to really improve your skin and help with anti-aging. It offers a lot of hydration. I actually bought their kind of starter pack that they have, which I'll put a discount code for that in the show notes. But this particular um, electrolyte powder, it comes in like a little packet. It has calcium, magnesium, sodium, potassium. It has Himalayan pink salt, pure coconut powder, yuzu, raspberry flavor, beetroot juice, monk fruit. It's really tasty. It's really mild. It's not super overpowering. And so I drink that once a day. I'll put a little packet of that in my glass um, mason jar that I'm drinking out of. That offers me some more minerals. Like I personally need more calcium. We all need magnesium. We all need sodium and potassium. So I really like that little electrolyte powder. It works really well for me. And then last but not least, this goes without saying, how is your sleep hygiene? This is something that I really, really needed to dial in on in the last year. And you know what really helped me dial in on my sleep hygiene is tracking my sleep with the Aura Ring. Do I think everyone needs to go out and buy an Aura Ring? No, definitely not. But I'm kind of the person that like what doesn't get measured doesn't get managed. And I found that it's like out of sight, out of mind. And I had no idea how much my habits were affecting my sleep. And now because I've been measuring and tracking and looking at how does my body feel when I get six hours, six and a half hours? How do I feel when I get seven and a half hours of sleep? How do I feel when I get eight hours of sleep? How do I feel when I eat close to bed? How does that affect my sleep, right? How does having a glass of wine after my kids go to bed, affect my sleep. Tracking my sleep has completely changed my relationship with alcohol. I will even admit that it has changed my relationship with THC. Yes, I do utilize THC in my routine periodically, not all the time. There is a time and a place for it for me personally. There have been seasons in my life where THC has been very, very um, beneficial for just reducing anxiety and stress, Um, specifically in certain seasons where parenting has been really, really difficult for us. I haven't fully opened up and shared about my experimentation and relationship with THC. I think THC has a time and a place. I don't think it's a cure-all. There are absolutely negative side effects and downsides to using THC, but at a certain point in my life, 
I was thankful to have access to THC because if I didn't have that, I probably would have pursued a pharmaceutical for anxiety or depression because we had a really, really dark season of parenting years ago. And with the help of my therapist, I utilized THC to just help me get through. And now I use utilize THC here and there. Like it's so rare at this point. Honestly, I rarely use it. I still have some gummies. I don't smoke it, um, but I use gummies here and there or I have tinctures specifically like if I'm really PMSing, which honestly, I don't even get PMS that bad anymore. It's just random. Like I'll just have a random Saturday night where I'll be like, "Ah, I'm going to take a little gummy and, you know, let's watch a movie and take a gummy. No judgment if you use THC all the time. And if you don't use it, you're probably not going to understand what I'm talking about, which is totally fine. That's not my point of this episode. But I did not realize how much THC affects sleep. And so seeing my REM sleep and my deep sleep affected by THC, that was another thing that by tracking my sleep with the aura ring, I was really able to dial in on and see how certain things were affecting my sleep and then my energy the next day. And so we can kind of get ourselves into this vicious cycle where it's like, oh, I need that glass of wine to help me unwind at night, or I need that THC gummy to help me unwind at night because I can't fall asleep without it. But then you're not getting into a deep sleep or the REM sleep, which this is the more restorative part of our sleep that helps us repair and ultimately helps us feel better the next day. And then we're just like in this vicious cycle of chasing low energy and trying to find coping tools to get through. It's not a good cycle. So um, another thing I would talk about if you're dealing with low energy and trying to dial in on your sleep is what's your relationship like with screens at night? Are you on an iPad? Are you on your computer? Do you have your TV on? Are you on your phone? Shut it down. This is hard. I fully acknowledge them as someone that like uses social media to grow my business. I have a, you know, I use Instagram to connect with a lot of different friends and clients. And I love social media. I love the experience after I put my kids to bed some nights of just laying in bed and scrolling. I get it, right? Um, or or watching YouTube or watching TikTok, which actually since I've deleted TikTok off of my phone, I haven't had TikTok on my phone in quite a few months. But sometimes we need to really evaluate these habits and see how it is affecting our ability to just get in bed and go to bed sooner. There is a lot that shows that when we get to sleep before that 11 p.m. time frame, you're going to get into deeper, more restful, more restorative quality sleep. And so whether you need to install apps on your phone that block certain apps, like that's a whole thing. There are actually apps that you can install that will block access to other apps. So you could lock down your Instagram or your Facebook or your YouTube, like whatever that is, right? Wear blue light blocking glasses at night. I'm a big fan. There's a brand. I actually have a pair right here on my desk as I talk. Um, This brand is called RA Optics. I got these on Black Friday. They were on sale. They're a little pricey, but they are truly like the best blue light blocker. They're actually like an orange lens. I wear these a lot at night if we're going to watch TV at night. I will say that because I am in a season of a lot of stress, we're getting ready to move. We're moving to Florida in like three and a half weeks. I need a lot of sleep right now. So I'm actually not watching a lot of TV at night. My 
nighttime routine to prioritize sleep. Because I know for me that if I'm not getting good sleep, my resilience to stress, my ability to get through what I need to do every single day to keep the needle moving forward in my career, for my kids, we have a gigantic to-do list outside of work and kids to get our house sold and pack and move. I cannot afford to be tired. I cannot afford to be dragging every single day. I also don't do well with a lot of caffeine. So I am super on top of my sleep right now. I take a bath almost every single night. And if I'm not taking a bath, I take a hot shower. I think for me, and I can speak for probably a lot of people, heat at night really helps me unwind and relax and get into that like wind down for sleep. So I do a magnesium bath and I'll do like a cup or two of magnesium flakes and then get in my pajamas, wash my face, brush my teeth. And, you know, maybe I'll watch a little show, but a lot of times I'm reading before bed and I'm lights out by most, most nights by 10, 10 And then I sleep seven and a half, eight, eight and a half hours most nights. I also am not getting up in the middle of the night with kids in this current season. Praise the Lord. Nothing wakes me up in the middle of the night and except if I have to like get up and go to the bathroom. And I, you know, I, I'm able to sleep through the night. I fully acknowledge that if you're listening to this and you have small children, this might be really hard for you to dial in on. There is a season for everything. I promise you're going to make it through. <laughs> Good days are ahead. This too shall pass. If you're sleep deprived because of children, you're nursing, you have a baby, you have a toddler, you have a kid that's in your bed. I feel you. You're going to make it through. But you know that when you are sleep deprived, it's going to massively affect your ability to perform the next day. And some of these things are things that we have control of, that we can change. Some of this just takes some discipline and hard, honest evaluation of our habits and deciding like, okay, what's more important to me right now? Like scrolling on my phone at night, watching a dumb show, mindlessly, whatever, whatever it is that you're doing and really getting honest of like, where is this holding me back the next day? You know, oh, I really want to lose weight. I want to get stronger. I want to be healthier. want to have more energy. It's hard to fit in time to get to the gym or get up and, and do what you need to do to show up for your life if you're not getting enough sleep. So sometimes it starts with that. Sometimes you need a support person or accountability here. Uh, I will say that we've had times in our marriage. We've been married for almost 14 years, which is crazy. I was a child when I married my husband. (laughs) Uh, I was, yeah, very young when I married my husband. So we've been married for 14 years. Crazy when I say that out loud because I'm only 36. Uh, So yeah, I married my husband when I was 22. So we have had our fair share of ups and downs when it comes to getting on the same page with stuff. And my husband is for sure a night owl. If he is left to his own devices, that man will stay up till midnight and sleep until eight. And obviously we can't do that. Like we've got to get up and get kids off to school and get to work. And so there have been times where we're not going to bed at the same time. It's not like that as much anymore, but there were definitely times in the past when our kids were younger where they weren't in school. He didn't have to get out the door early for work. Maybe he was working later at night because of his job. And I was going to bed earlier than him, which is hard because, you know, for me personally, we like to go to bed together. Um, And so sometimes you have to have that conversation with your spouse of like, hey, 
can we get on the same page here with our sleep routine? Again, sometimes this is easier said than done, but it's worth having that conversation, getting on the same page as much as you can. So I also will say that if you are listening to this and you're like, yeah, I'm already doing a lot of these things. I eat a lot of protein. I'm eating consistently. I don't skip meals. I'm hydrated. I get eight, nine hours of sleep every single night. I'm exercising. I'm moving my body. I do all these things. I'm exhausted. What's wrong? What's going on? You are the perfect candidate for lab testing. You need to do some digging and figure out why you're so tired. It is not normal to be scraping the bottom of the barrel of energy every single day. If you feel like you're already doing these foundational things and you're doing the, doing the right things here, maybe you're even taking some supplements that you know are designed to help support your metabolism, you're doing a lot of these foundational things, there is something more going on that we're just not able to pinpoint through nutrition and lifestyle habits alone. So often we will see maybe you're just really low in certain minerals and you're not aware of it. And we need to really dial in on certain minerals. Maybe your gut health is in disarray and you're not digesting your foods well. And if your digestion is poor, you can be eating a healthy diet, eating enough foods, prioritizing nutrition, but still be in a deficient state. Your gut health is really, really foundational to your overall metabolism, as you probably know. Sometimes it's your thyroid, and we need to dial in on how to support the thyroid a little bit more. Your thyroid sets the rate for your entire metabolism. And when the thyroid's not functioning well, sometimes it's over-functioning or under-functioning, that can translate to a loss of energy. You also see paired with that low libido, hair loss, increase in anxiety, low mood, brain fog. Um, It can even change your voice. Like if you wake up in the morning and your voice is really scratchy, and it it takes a while to get your voice going, that can even be linked to uh, hypothyroid and thyroid issues. So there, there are just some underlying internal imbalances that we see through lab testing that can be fixed pretty quickly for people. It's just, if you don't know that it's there, you wouldn't know to try to fix it, right? And so sometimes you just need someone to come alongside you that knows what to look for and can say, all right, this is what's going on. We need to optimize X, Y, Z. This is the game plan. Let's get it going. And you start to see results very quickly. This, These are services that we offer to our one-on-one clients. I will link our website in the show notes here. And of course, if you have any questions, come message me on Instagram at Margaret Ann Powell. Um, I'm also starting an Instagram for the podcast and for my nutrition business. It is at Fueled and Free Nutrition. So I'll be sharing more about podcast stuff. And just, you can learn a lot from following that Instagram. We're getting that going right now. And yeah, you can also email fueledandfreepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Fueled and Free Podcast. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Learn more at margaretannpowell.com and follow me on Instagram at margaretannpowell.com.